We're starting a new series that is called Follow, and uh, we're going to be doing like, the next three or four weeks going through this series where we're going to be looking at, essentially, it's a very simple topic, which is, what does it look like to follow Jesus? What does it look like to follow God? And um, over the years, what I want to talk about today is over the years, uh, honestly, whenever I've, I've read certain portions of the Gospels, there was a there was part of it that always intrigued me, and I never quite understood it. And it's the, the, specifically the parts where Jesus would, would call his disciples, where he would say these things like stumble upon these people, these fishermen, and he would just look at them, essentially just say, come follow me. Or sometimes there weren't even words. It just said that, you know, he called them, and they just dropped everything and followed him. And it's always intrigued me because I'm like, what in the how, what? Like, how does this, how does that even happen? Like, what would I do if I was put in that position? And so I want to, I want, I want to read in uh, Matthew chapter four, this one story uh, that we've, maybe you've read before of Jesus calling uh, two disciples or actually four disciples altogether. So if you'd stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word, we're going to be reading Matthew chapter four, starting in verse 18. And it says this, very simple, quick story. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, so he's got two now. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, and they were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. You could be seated. <laughs> like, I, this is why it's always intrigued me, because I read these things, and I'm like, that's alarming. Like, if I was Zebedee, I'd be like, whoa, what? Excuse me? You're doing what? Yeah, Dad, the guy with the long hair and the robe, we're going with him. Tell Ma we love her. You know what I mean? Like, are you kidding me right now? Like, how in the world does this happen? It doesn't even say that he introduces himself. He's not like, hey, my name's Jesus. Come follow me. At least then you'd know, okay, the guy's name's Jesus. I'll look him up on Facebook. You know what I mean? Like you got something to go on, but there's none of that. All we get is, come follow me. They're like, leave their nets, their career, their fishing business, their father, and go and follow Jesus. And I, I'm, I'm left wondering, and I've wondered this for a long time, like what the, how, 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 how? I would need a little more information before I ditched all this stuff and follow Jesus. And um, so one of the things that's great about the New Testament, specifically uh, the, the Gospels, is that there's four of them. And what we find in the Gospels is that many of them tell the same stories, uh, but some of them give a little less, some of them a little more detail. They're told from four different perspectives and uh, for four different audiences or, or four different audiences. And so the Gospel of Matthew that we just read uh, Matthew wrote his gospel specifically for the Jews, um, people that already know who God is. So they're not having to understand who is this God and who is this son of God and who is, what is a Messiah, all these types of things. Matthew just gets in and gets out. He tells a story, gets to the point, moves on. 
So he, he writes to the Jewish people with the end goal of convincing them that, hey, you know the Messiah that you've been taught about, that you've been praying for, that you've been waiting for? Jesus is that guy. That's the end goal of Matthew's gospel. He's writing to a people that already know all about this whole Messiah thing, and they're like, okay, this is the one that we've been waiting for. Now, here's the thing. Other gospels tell the same story, but they fill in a little more details for us. So the good news for you and for me is that that, what we just read, is not the whole story. Thank God. This is not all that happened. It wasn't just this simple or this weird or this cult-like. There's more to it than just what we just read. It's good for us, being Gentiles, to understand a little bit more. And this is where Luke's gospel comes in. Because Luke is writing to people that's probably a little bit more like you and me, Gentiles that are on different levels of belief and faith in Christ. Or maybe you're here today and you're like, I, don't, I just came with a friend, kind of checking this whole Christian thing out. I don't really know what I believe about Jesus. Kind of believe in a lot of different things. And so I don't really know where this is. Good news, Luke wrote his gospel for people like you and like me. So Luke is a doctor and he literally starts out. You can read in Luke chapter one, he begins out his whole gospel by saying this. All right, listen. I have carefully investigated everything that I'm about to write here. I've I've, I've personally investigated all of these things before I've written them down, and hence this is why Luke's gospel is the longest gospel. He has a lot to say. He fills in a lot of the details that are left out in some of the other gospels. So what I want to do is, is if you turn with me to Luke chapter 5, I want to spend some time today and just walk through this account of the calling of these, uh, these disciples with, with hopefully a little more understanding and a little more, um, a little more revelation for, I think, for you and for me about what it looks like to follow Jesus and how Jesus calls his disciples and what he does in, in our life to get to the place where he can say, come follow me, and you just do it. Luke chapter 5, verse 1, he says, it says this, one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. So we already got a little more information here. Okay, cool. There's a name to the lake. Cool. Uh, The people were, were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. So Jesus wasn't just walking on the shore, seeing some fishermen. There's actually a little bit, you get a scene now. There's a crowd of people gathering, and Jesus is preaching to people. So he's teaching the word of God. He's revealing things to him. And this is important for us to realize. Why? Because following Jesus always begins with listening. Following Jesus always begins with listening. So maybe, maybe you came in here today, and you're like, I don't know, I just came with a friend. I'm just kind of checking this thing out. That's good. Why? Because following Jesus always begins with listening. You're just kind of at this place, okay, I'm listening to this preacher, I'm willing to submit myself to that, I'm listening to, to just, what do I feel about who this Jesus is and, and what he has to say? So, following Jesus begins with listening, it always begins with exchange of information. Um, if you ever go to a church or some sort of like a, a religion and they just say, don't ask any questions, just believe it, run. Run as fast as you can, not towards it, run away from it. Why? Because it's a cult. We're, we're encouraged all throughout Scripture to actually take the words that, that Paul or whoever are preaching, take those things, investigate it for yourself. Don't just take it at face value. Actually, let's test this thing out. Let's take a look at it. What do I choose? What do I believe about the things that are being preached? That's what he's saying. So, we already have a little more insight into the story. Jesus is preaching. People are listening. Verse 2. He saw at the water's edge two boats. 
left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. So this is important for you to understand. So this is the way it worked. They would always fish at night, and in the mornings, they were done fishing. They'd pack up all of their, all of their stuff. They'd take their nets and stretch them out. They'd have to sometimes mend them if they got holes in them uh, through the night of fishing. Or uh, they'd take all the seaweed and all the junk and things like that. They'd clean their nets, and then they'd let them dry out in the sun. Then they'd fold them back up or roll them up, whatever, pack them away for the next night of fishing. That's kind of what, what happened back then. And that's what they're doing. They're, they're cleaning their nets. But here's what I want you to see. They're listening. They're cleaning. You know, you, know, you kind of like, you know, you, you play your Christian music or whatever while you're, while you're working or something. Like, you're, you're working, but you're also listening at the same time. So they're working, but they're also listening to what Jesus is preaching and what he's teaching this crowd of people. Probably acting like they're not all that interested, but they're listening to it along the way. Verse 3. He got into one of the boats. Jesus just literally steps into one of their boats, the one belonging to Simon. And he asks him, hey, do you mind if you just push me out a little bit? Just push, just push me out. So Jesus all of a sudden decides, I think it'd be better, the acoustics are a little bit better if I'm out here and I can kind of get a little more distance and the people, they're going to be able to hear me better. So uh, here's a boat. Can you just push me out? And Simon was willing to be inconvenienced a little bit. I want you to see this. It was just a small ask, right? He knows that this preacher guy is not a fisherman. He's not going to go steal his, his, you know, fishing industry secrets and stuff. He's like, okay, fine. So Simon's listening a little bit. He has a little bit of interest. He's not going to act like he's that interested, but he's hearing and he's listening, and so he agrees. And what I want you to start noticing here is this, this theme throughout this story is this, that God leads us in small steps, not giant leaps. He leads us in small steps, not giant leaps. Like, um, I don't know if you remember these. When you were younger, if you've got kids, you might remember that you might know these things. They're called connect the dot drawings. You ever seen those things? So, <coughs> excuse me. You get this book and, uh, and, and you get the page and the page is covered with dots. And then each dot has a number on it. This is the extent of my artistic ability. Literally, I paint by number and I draw by, by connected dots. Like, I got, I got nothing going. This is it. This is, this is the only gig I got. And so, um, literally, uh, the one thing you know if you've ever done connected dots is your job is to find number one. That's your first job. Find number one. And then you're like, okay, okay, I got number one. And you put your pencil on number one, and then you start going to what? Number two. And if you know your numbers, which hopefully this is the key, you got to know these, you know your numbers and you just start moving. You go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And if you decide, kind of you're on seven, you're like, this is taking too long. I want to jump to number 124. <laughs> You've ruined it. You've ruined it. You've ruined it because why? You've made a line where there's not supposed to be a line. Now you've got this, this, this picture that... You've just decided to take it into your own hands and it's never going to look like the zebra that it was supposed to look like and the, everything's going to be all messed up from here because you just decided, I don't want to go to number eight, I want to go to 124 and just get this thing done. And that's not how it's designed to work. We're supposed to go from one dot to the next dot to the next dot to the next dot. And what I found is that's how God usually deals with me. Dot to dot. And, and I wish he would just tell me is this, is this going to be a lion? Like, I don't know. What, what, what are we making, Jesus? And he's like, would you just focus on number eight? 
yeah, but I was, I, could you just let me, like, show me what it's going to look like? And he's like, how about nine? Can you just, can you go from eight to nine? So many times I just want to know what the, what the end goal is, where we're headed, what this is going to look like. And Jesus is always just telling me, if you could just do the next step, that's how we're going to do this thing. Just, just go to the next step. Go, just go to the next dot. Are you willing to just simply follow and connect the dots? And I think that because if, if he actually revealed to me what was on dot 78, I would be like, I'm out. Well, this is going to be the, this is going to be the move for, 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 for dot 78, and I'm on dot 6. If he showed me what it was going to look like and what dot 124 was going to be, I'd be like, absolutely not. I am not, I'm never getting to dot 78, let alone dot 124. I'm out. I don't want to do this drawing anymore. Why? Because if he revealed to us what everything was going to look like down the road, we probably wouldn't be that, that interested in going around and doing this whole dot-to-dot thing that we call life. Because God speaks to us in sentences, not paragraphs. Time and time again, I think it's because I can't remember much. God literally only speaks to me, usually in sentences, not huge long paragraphs. He's like, Justin, all you need to worry about is this is the next step for you. Like, let, let's, let's walk in that. And I want in the paragraph, I want, in the, I, want, I want to flip to the back of the book to figure out what it is. He's like, no, 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 here's the next step. Here's the next sentence. And I want you to think about this. Even with this, with, with um, the calling of, of Simon Peter and Andrew and all these guys, I want you to just imagine for, for just a second if Jesus showed up in paragraph form with these guys. Not sentence form, he just shows up in paragraph form and he comes up and he's like, hey, my name's Jesus. Um, I was wondering, like, um, if I could just borrow your boat to preach out of a little bit, I'm probably gonna, I'm just gonna ask you to like, just kick it out a little bit so that I can get, get out there a little bit. And then after I'm done preaching for a bit, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna ask you to put out a little into the deeper water and I know that you've been working hard on like cleaning out your net and you hit, you're not really good fisherman because you didn't catch anything last night, but I'm just gonna ask you to take me fishing. And um, out, out in the midday when you're not normally fishing, and then I'm going to ask you to, to take that net that, that you're trying to get dry, and you're going to throw that over the side of the boat. And when you do that, Peter, you know what's going to happen? You're going to catch so much fish that your net's going to almost break, so much so that you're going to be calling your buddies over there in that other boat to come on out and help you, and you're going to try to pull in all these fish. And it's going to be so, it's going to be the biggest catch of your life that boats are literally going to be sinking. And Peter, it's at that moment. It's at the moment of the best fishing day of your entire life. It's at the pinnacle of your fishing business career. I'm going to ask you to leave it all behind and follow me. The best day of your life. Oh, and by the way, Peter, it's not all going to be unicorns and rainbows for you. I just want you to know that. Like, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. In fact, you're going to be known for your mistakes and your failures. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get arrested. You're going to deny even knowing me three times. I'm going to die. Then I'm going to rise from the dead. And then you're going to have to preach the gospel to people that want to kill you. So Peter, are you in? You cannot borrow my boat. Get out of my boat right now. The answer is no. Because that's how God speaks to us. That's how God leads us. He always leads us in small steps, not giant leaps. 
may feel like a giant leap to you, but I guarantee you it's a small step because when you look back on it and you see where you've traveled, you're going to be like, that that was just a little hop, skip, and a jump. This is why he speaks to us in sentences, not paragraphs. Because if he spoke to us in paragraphs, we'd be like, uh, I think I'm out. I don't know if I want to do that. Because we don't see the reward as we walk it out. We see the ask, the next step. Continue in verse 3. He says this, Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Uh, because following Jesus always begins with listening. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. So, Jesus asked Peter to do something that he's been doing all night long, but he asked Peter to do it in a way that he'd never done before. He'd been kind of in this place where he's like, you know, I I think you're good at preaching. You should probably stick to that, preacher man. Keep the fishing to me. I I don't think that's really a great idea in this time of the day to go fishing. And Jesus asks him to do something that actually is going to cost him a little bit, a little bit of cred, a little bit of reputation. Why? Because this is a lake. This is a sea, not a lake. And so so what ends up happening is it it cools down. It's very deep. And so at, at night it cools down. The fish come up to feed. So the best time to fish was at night. That's when they'd go out there. And so when they had finished, you know, when they had fished, when they were supposed to fish, they were unsuccessful. That's what we find out from the story. And Jesus looks at Simon Peter and he says, let's go fishing when you're not supposed to go fishing. Uh, I don't know about that. In other words, I want you to do something that you've done a thousand times before, but I want you to do it differently. I want you to do it my way. Okay. I want you to realize this. Jesus, at this point in the game, has not asked them to leave their business, to leave their family, to leave their father and their mother. He's not asked them to, to, to leave, their, leave their lives as they knew it. Jesus is simply asking Peter to do something one time in a way that he's never done before. And I'll tell you, so many of the steps that I've had to take in my walk with Christ and following him have just been a simple ask that he's asked me to do something in a, in a, one time in a way that I've never done before. So what's at stake here? Well, there's a lot. There's a whole big crowd of people listening. You know, Peter's been trying to stay kind of under the radar, act like he's real busy with this net and, oh, yeah, yeah, here you go. You can take that. You know, I'm not really interested in what you got. And then he's like, okay, <clears throat> Could you take me out there? What's at stake is Peter's credibility as a professional fisherman. Everybody knows this is not the time to go out there. So if he, des- if he decides, okay, fine, I will humor this preacher, this preacher guy. Uh, we'll go out, we'll go fishing, and I'll throw my net over and believe that what this guy says will happen. He's all of a sudden now put himself out there to look like a fool or a crazy man by trusting. Because this next step is really the question of whether or not Peter can trust Jesus. It's all about trust. That's the question. Do you trust me? Verse 5, Simon answered, (laughs) Master, look, we have worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. He's kind of just humoring this guy a little bit. And then, And then Simon Peter says five words 
that changed his life. He says five words that changed my life. He says five words that I believe will change your life. This is what he says. But because you say so. But because you say so. I'll do it. Not because this makes sense. Not because I think you have any fishing abilities, Jesus. Not because I think that this is going to be a good idea or this is going to be a moneymaker. But I've been listening to you. I mean, I've been acting like I'm not. But I've been, I've been listening to you. And I have just enough trust in you. That, but because you say so, I will let down my nets. And Peter had no idea what was held in the balance of this decision. Of choosing to do something that he had done a thousand times before in a different way simply because Jesus asked him to. To do it the way Jesus wanted him to. And here is the beauty of following Christ. We don't understand and then obey. We obey and then understand. So many times, I just want to know, I want to, okay, if you could just, Jesus, if you could just explain to me why you're wanting me to do this and tell me what's going to happen on the other side of this, if I could just understand it, then I will completely obey you. But I find that so many times Jesus calls us to obey and then we understand. It's like connect the dots, truly. <clears throat> we sign on to this thing of like, okay, I'm choosing to like, I'm listening, I'm hearing a little bit what Jesus is doing, and he's like, okay, um, could you just push me out a little bit? Okay. All right, cool, we're heading, we're heading in a direction, this is cool. And he says, okay, you take another step. Okay, I'm going to take another step, and we're good, okay, I see, I see where we're headed. And he says, okay, I want you to step here. Jesus, um, we were heading someplace. Like, I got a word, like, you, this, this is the direct, you're telling me that this is what you want me to, do you trust me? Uh, not really, but because you say so, okay. And then he says, all right, I want you to step back here. Jesus, this doesn't seem to be working right, because, like, I'm following you because, well, I thought this was going to be like a blessing to me. That's kind of why I like you, right? Like I thought I was my, this way, I'm getting a demotion, not a promotion. Like I'm going to have to serve when I thought I was going to be served. Like I've been honoring you. I've been walking and doing everything that you told me to. And you're telling me like, this is where you want me to go. Like right here. This is, I'm almost back where I started. Do you trust me? Okay, and that is how God handles us and deals with us. It's, it's dot to dot and step to step. And sometimes you, you're going, if you're ever drawn one of those connect the dots, you're like, what in the world am I making? This does not seem to make any sense until it's all done and you finally see the masterpiece that's been a able to be created. 
and it doesn't seem logical and it doesn't seem rational, but Jesus always asks us this one question, do, do you trust me? And it's the question that we're faced with so many times as we make decision in our lives and these five words echo in our souls, but because you say so. And the real question that Jesus always is getting at on the inside of us is this, do I have a say-so in your life? Like, I know you're better at this, and I know you're a professional, and I know, like, Jesus, you don't really know how to handle money like I do. And God, I, like, I, 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 I understand, but like, are you willing to give him a say-so in your life? And for many of us, we're, we're, we're bewildered as to why we're, we're not further along in this connect the dots drawing that we call life. And I wonder if sometimes we want God to show us the plans, but we're unwilling to take his directions. And we're stuck at a spot. We're saying, I just, can I just go from six to nine? Can I? And he says, No. We go from six to seven, and it looks different in every single one of our lives. I'm just going to tell you, there are some that are literally just simple steps. This is easy. Wow, that was a promotion. Good. That, I'll follow you anywhere, Jesus. And then he asks us to do something that goes against your, your life plan, right? Everything that you've got all figured out, right? Like all those things, and all of a sudden, it doesn't make sense to us, and we're left at that question, do you have a say-so in my life? Am I willing to submit and say, but because you say so, I don't really know what you're up to, but because you say so, I choose to do it. Because I find that God is always asking us to follow him without telling him where we're going to end up. He's always telling us to give when we want to take, to forgive when people don't really deserve it, to serve when we want to be served, to go when we want to stay, to stay when we want to go. Listen, God's next step doesn't always make sense, but it always leads to life. It always leads to life. It's always that next dot of adding to the masterpiece that God is trying to create in and through you. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? In verse 6, I love how it says this. When they had done so. I love it and I hate it because it doesn't say when they had believed so, when they had prayed so, when they had thought so, when they had made mental assent so. It says when they had done so. Because here's the reality. Many times you have to be willing to let go of what is in your hand to find out what is in your heart. And sometimes God asks us to give up something that is in our hand that we're holding, not because he wants to take it away from us, not because he won't give it back to us. He just wants to know, do you trust him? Are you willing to let go of what's in your hand to find out and to learn about what's in your heart? That's the question. And this is what they had to do. It says when he had let go of what was in his hand to find out what was in his heart, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. This is the best day of a fisherman's life. So they signaled their partners in the other boat, boys, come on, to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. I don't know about you, but I'd be like, it worked. Oh my gosh. 
how you hate is going to hate. You know what I mean? Like this absolutely worked. Like I trusted Jesus. All y'all didn't. And look what he did. He brought all this and I got more fish than anybody. This isn't what happens though. How Simon Peter responds is so unexpected to me. Read verse 8 with me. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at his knees and he said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. He had been listening to Jesus. He was willing to be inconvenienced by Jesus. He even decided to trust Jesus enough to do something different than he'd ever done before. And when this miracle happens, Peter responds by dropping to his knees and he calls Jesus Lord. There's that word again, Lord. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. It's, a, it's actually a slavery word. It's the word kurios. It doesn't mean, Lord isn't just another term for Jesus. When we get tired of saying Jesus, we just call him Lord. It doesn't mean rabbi. It doesn't mean teacher. It literally means you are my owner. Like I'm all in to whatever you got. You are my owner. And he automatically realizes when everybody else be saying, this is, this is amazing, well, look at this catch of fish, he automatically realizes that he is in the presence of God. And he is reduced to a puddle on the floor. What in the world? Stay away from me, I am a sinful man, is what he responds with. And here's the good news for you and for me, is that being a sinner does not disqualify you from following Jesus. You know that? In fact, the people that we find that Jesus actually called to follow him were straight-up sinners. It's the perfect people that Jesus would heckle and call names. But being a sinner does not disqualify you from following Jesus. In verse 9, it says, For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partner. And they said to Simon, Don't be afraid. I love this because we found this in Matthew too. He says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Jesus was essentially saying, now that you know who you are, now that you know who I am, now I can tell you about your purpose for your future. And personally, I don't know. I don't think that Peter even understood what that whole fish for people meant still. I still think he was kind of like, cool. <laughs> you know, come follow me. Yeah, I'm all in. And I'm going to make you fish for people. Okay, cool. Let's do it. Was that, do, do I need net? Is it mer, mer people? Is it the mer people that we're going after? Like, he doesn't, who cares? I am all in. Jesus, whatever you got, count me in. I'm all into whatever you're doing, whatever you got going. I'm following you. Hey, Dad, tell Mom I love her. I got to go. This guy, this hippie with the long hair and the, and the, and the beard, and the, I, I'm going with him. He has the words of eternal life. I'm following this guy. He came to a, ploy, to, to a place where, like, he literally just, I'm ready to follow this guy anywhere he goes. I will follow you. Why don't you stand with me? In the last verse of this story, it says, so they, they pulled their boats up on shore and they 
and they left everything and followed him. And you would have too. And I would have too. And it's when you realize that Jesus had taken these, these men on a bit of a fishing journey himself. A walk of connecting the dots and asking him to trust him in small steps and large steps. That when he came to the place of come follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men, they were like, ah, yes, sign me up. Not just because he said, come follow me, but because they listened, they took a simple step of trust, they watched him do something in a different way that they'd never seen before, he worked a miracle, and their response was to trust him with their life and to follow him. And the reality is, is that we are all, every single one of us, you, me, I don't care where you are in your faith journey, we are all on a journey of next steps, of connect the dots. And so my question as we enter into this last worship song is to just really truly, before you leave this place, ask this question, what is it that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about? What is that next step for you? What I love about this story is that we can find ourselves in it. For maybe for some of you, it, it's just listening you know, you're kind of, maybe even you're here right now and you're like, I don't really know, like, you got a tear coming out, but I'm not paying attention. I'm not, I'm, this is cool. I'm, I'm good with all this stuff. Maybe that next step for you is just to come back next week. Maybe your next step is to just crack open your Bible and start reading it for the first time and to start asking questions. Maybe that is your next step is to just sit and listen. But connect the dot. Choose to move to the next dot. The second thing we find is that maybe your next step is to choose to say, all right, I'm willing to be a little inconvenienced and I'm going to push Jesus out a little bit, right? You know, that it, you know that it's a small step that you've been avoiding. It's not that really big of a deal, but you don't know why Jesus is all hung up about it. Like, you're like, come on. Like, every time you pray, he keeps bringing this thing up and you're like, can we move on? Like, for real. This is not a big deal, Jesus. And he's like, I know you don't think it's a big deal. I just want you to know it's your next step. But come on, I mean, there's got to be something bigger. And he's like, there is. I got so much planned. I got a masterpiece. All I need you to do is just move from, from point six to point seven. And to be inconvenienced a little bit. And so for maybe for some of you, it's like, all right, I'm finally going to, I'll sign up for that life group that, you know, Pastor Tom keeps badgering me about. Or, you know what, I, me, I'll go up, fine, I, I skip Vision Sunday, but I, I'll go out there and maybe sign up for a serve team to say, you know what, I want to come alongside the vision of this church and, and to be a part of it and to be a co-owner of what God is doing in this place. I'm going to start using my gifts for his glory. Maybe for some of you, it's like, I'm going to start reading my Bible or, or asking for help or, or launching out and starting those classes for that degree that you've been putting off and saying you don't really want to, but you know that that's the next step for you. Or getting that counseling, the making that phone call just seems so hard to dial the number. For some of you, it's taking Jesus fishing. Some of you, that next step you know is a scary step. And you know that it's going to mean that people are going to ostracize you. They're not going to quite understand. They might think you're crazy and a little bit like, oh, you know, like you're really into this whole Jesus thing a little too much. But you know that you know that you know that God's calling you to do something and you have no idea what's on the other side of it and you're scared to death. I just want to say, do it scared. Do it scared. 
Maybe God's calling you to forgive someone or he's saying, you know what, like I, I need you to let go of something, that thing that you're holding on to. I need you to break off that relationship that you just know has been toxic for a very long time and you just kind of been like holding on to this thing. It's like, no, it's going to get better and this is going to stop and it's going to, maybe for some of you, it's going home and you're going to flush those pills down the toilet and you're just done. You've been saying, no, I'm going to handle it. Everything's going to be okay. I can maintain this thing. And I got it all kind of figured out. And you know that you know that you know that God is calling you to do something. That he's, he's calling you on a fishing expedition that's going to cost something of you. And it's not going to be easy. And you don't know what's on the other side of it. But you know you need to connect the dots. And for some of you in here today, Maybe you're at a place where, like, you just know that you're supposed to leave your nets behind. God's calling you to, you know, you, you've, been, you've been sitting, you've been listening, you've even, like, made these little, you know, bouts of trust in him. You've watched God change other people and seen him do things, but you've never decided to leave your own nets behind and start following him. And you just know it's time to stop fooling around and it's time to just say, all right, Lord, I trust and obey you today. And maybe that's your next step. So I just want to encourage you as we pray and we add into this, this, this last worship service, before you leave this place today, if God is speaking to you about a next step in your life, this is between you and God, don't care about who's in front of you, who's behind you, what are people going to think of you, I, I want to encourage you, just raise your hand right now, just between you and God, say, God, I hear you. God, I know, I know that I know that I know that you're calling me to a next step today. Just raise your hand up high, just between you and him just between you and him. God, I know that I know that I know that I've been avoiding this. I know it's time to, to launch out into something. And as we enter into this last song, I just want to encourage you, if you've raised your hand today, to take an, an actual step forward. To say, all right, maybe for the first time you're deciding, I just think I need to honestly leave my nets behind follow Jesus for the first time in my life. I've heard a lot of people see, I see God doing in the person next to me, and I want that so desperately in my life. If you have prayer, a prayer need in any area of your life, I just want to encourage you, this is a perfect time and a perfect day to do it. To say, God, I hear you, and I want to walk forward and connect the dot. So as we sing today, I'd love you just, you can come up along here, you can just kind of come up right, here, right along here, just between you and Christ. And allow other people, we've got some altar prayer team that will come alongside and, and pray with you. They love God and they love people, love to pray God into your situation, to take that next step. And it may be scary for you. I just want you to know that here's the thing. I can't make a next step for you. And some of you have been wondering, like, wait, is God going to just push me into this next step? Is it just all of a sudden going to happen? It only happens through us deciding, I'm choosing to trust you. And I don't understand how it's going to end up, but because you say so. God, I thank you that you show up in the midst of our stuff. In the midst of us going about our day, whether we're two disciples walking in the opposite direction or people just doing our job, that you show up in our midst and that you surprise us with a calling that we know that we're, we don't deserve to serve a God that we know that we're not good enough to do. So Lord, I thank you that it's in your calling that it gives us grace to follow you. Lord, we thank you 
give us courage and boldness to walk out that next step in each and every single one of our lives this week. Make the call. Make the decision. Do the thing that we know that we're supposed to walk in for, to connect the dots, that next step for you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.